Welcome to the January episode of In the Middle, the podcast from Hopkinton Middle School. My name is Alan Keller. I'm principal here at HMS and proud to be hosting this podcast. Uh, hopefully you've been keeping up with things. In December, as you heard, we talked to Pat Allen, one of our teachers, and we will continue to have conversations uh, with our teachers and with our students. The student episodes of In the Middle have been really exciting, and I'm hopeful that you've had an opportunity to listen to their perspective as well, which is, of course, uh, why we're all here. So hopefully you'll have an opportunity to, to keep tabs with them. For this month, we had the opportunity to talk to Mitch Ablett. So Mitch Ablett is a um, counselor. Uh, he's also an author, and he provides professional development to schools and to parents. Um, he is the author of three books, Five Hurdles to Happiness, From Anger to Action, and he has a forthcoming book called Prizeworthy. Uh, we were able to have... Uh, Dr. Ablett come and speak to our staff, um, because we really wanted to talk about one of the concepts he mentions, uh, which is our, uh, th- those empathy hard kids. So it's those students that sometimes challenge us, uh, that don't necessarily do the things that we want them to do. Uh, and we experience them both as educators as well as parents. Um, so we wanted to hear from Dr. Ablett on some strategies that we can use in our classroom. And so you'll hear him talk a lot in this interview about those empathy hard kids and ways that we can uh, help address their behaviors both uh, at home uh, as well as in school. You know, some, some things that really stand out that I've heard from teachers over the years is um, when we say it's okay to behave in a certain way or when we let a kid off the hook, are we excusing that behavior? And you'll hear uh, Dr. Ablett talk about, uh, you know, when we work with a student like this, we're, we're not excusing or endorsing. Uh, we're helping to um, develop those skills and those strategies uh, within that student because they need some additional support. Just like just like a student who's struggling in academics needs some support, uh, we need to do the same thing uh, when it comes to these social emotional issues. So hopefully you'll get a lot from this uh, interview with Dr. Ablett. Welcome, Dr. Ablett. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's really a pleasure to have the opportunity to talk to you. Um, having, Thanks. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's our pleasure. And so uh, you met with our staff in September as part of our professional development. As, as we talked about, um, our goal this year in, in working with our staff is, um, in terms of professional development, is developing ways to work with some of the students who might challenge us. And, and these strategies work really well with all the students. And so I wanted to, you know, kind of dive right in there. And, and um, you know, one of the things that you said to our teachers uh, back in September uh, was this concept of the empathy hard student. So would you mind defining that a little bit for us? Yeah, yeah, no, this, this uh, concept came out of uh, my work at uh, Manville School at Judge Baker Children's Center uh, Therapeutic Day School with uh, uh, for kiddos with uh, emotional behavioral learning challenges. And so behavior being the main reason they, they would come to the school. And so there would be a lot of uh, acting out type behavior, a lot of refusal, disruptive stuff, threatening stuff, both at school and at home for, for a lot of the kids. And so, you know, and I've been doing that work, uh, you know, either at therapeutics, uh, school settings, or in residential care for, you know, over, you know, 20 years. And it's, uh, and, and, and also working a lot with parents. It's so tough to not uh, buy into the behavior at, at face value. And uh, a lot of it is due to just the way that we're neurologically wired you know, that our brains uh, are set up to be scanning the world around us for threat. 
which is what helped us survive and dominate the planet as a species many eons ago. Uh, the issue is that it leads us to jump to conclusions that can often be erroneous as to uh, what it is that this person doing aberrant, uh, you, know, uh, you know, noxious, negative behavior, what it's really about. And our brain kind of fools us into, and this is everybody, so I know it's mostly parents listening uh, to this, uh, but and definitely parents are going to uh, buy into this illusion that you're kind of wired to do, and, uh, you know, and it, it leads you to anticipate that this kid is doing this acting out intentionally, and they're doing it at you, and, uh, you know, it's something to be avoided, it's something to be pushed back against. It's kind of our old, uh, very, very ancient survival uh, response in our brain. The thing is, it doesn't match the world that we live in uh, anymore. It helped us back then against saber-toothed tigers, but uh, doesn't help us now. So, so you know, years ago, as I was working at at Manville, um, you know, wrestling with this issue of perception, even with those of us who had been doing the work a long time, it seemed like it was really hard to not uh, kind of have a rigid view that kids were doing negative stuff on purpose and they were, you know, sticking it to us. Uh, they were manipulating. They were, uh, they were being oppositional. You know, these are all the, the words that would uh, come out. Mm-hmm. And it, it also was interesting that my wife is also a, a clinical psychologist. She works at Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. And, uh, you know, with kids that have fought off uh, cancer. And I told her many years ago that the kids that she worked with, deservedly so, uh, were what I would call empathy easy. Mm. Uh, That, you know, empathy, compassion just flows very readily for them. Uh, Deservedly so. Um, And yet the kids that I've worked with for over 20 years, they hit and kick and spit and refuse and act weird and all of that, they're, they're empathy hard. And, uh, you know, that kind of stuck in my mind and I started wondering why that was. And, um, you know, and it's, it's because of our wiring, we're set up to perceive that. Mm-hmm. And yet there are, there are antidotes that help us sidestep that wiring and actually rewire our brains to, uh, be less prone to just reacting based on that error of perception. So that, that's what I mean in a very long-winded way in terms of empathy hard is that it's something that our brains do that we shouldn't beat ourselves up for, uh, but we have to learn to sidestep it. So many teachers said what uh, uh, that was some of the best professional development that they had received um, previously. And, and just to think about some of those things and those concepts that um, that, that you just mentioned here and, you know, in that four-minute answer, but uh, as well as your time with, with the staff. I mean, I think one of the things I always see teachers struggle with is, you know, you talk about the empathy easy students and it's, it's great. Those, you know, those students are very compliant and, and do what is asked of them uh, for the most yeah. part, but it's those empathy hard kids when you have, and I, something you, you sent out recently, I think on Twitter, we talked about um, a lot of times we, we think when a kid is doing something that they're looking to manipulate or they're looking to get attention. Um, and yeah. so, you know, as, as teachers, as educators, as parents, um, you know, you have this, um, 
the thing that you talked to us about was prizing versus praising. And I'm wondering if that's where this fits in. So in that heat of the moment where, where you have the, you know, you mentioned the student spitting or hitting or kicking or, or yelling or being defiant or giving you the middle finger or something like that. What are the, what are the, some of those antidotes to, to use your word that, that you, I'm, I'm sure it's not as easy as just to list off a, a list of things right now, but um, how do you recommend reacting and, and responding in that moment? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's stuff to do in that heat of the moment. And then there's stuff to do as a follow-up with those kids. Uh, and there's stuff to do preventatively. And it's all on the same kind of uh, continuum of principles. But when the, the kid is flicking you off or threatening, and definitely if they're being unsafe, you know, obviously that, that's the focus. And uh, you do what I call compassionate containment, which is you... You can do this in the, in the you know, in, in just a single breath. You can realize the truth that even though this kid is, is being, quote, unquote, ridiculous or outlandish, you can kind of see that knee-jerk reaction in your mind and remember that this kid is only doing this to self-protect, to either, to either uh, push you back because what you're doing is in some way causing discomfort for them or to pull you in uh, so that they can get some degree of uh, relief in, uh, from something. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you have to agree with it um, or that it's skillful on the kid's part, but that's the first thing to train yourself to do over time and time again when you're working with a kid as a staff member um, or if it's your own child that you have to emblazon it in your brain so that you see it in that moment. It's like a new lens to where when you're looking at people's behavior, that, you know, you're not excusing it. You're not, you're not endorsing it. You're seeing the truth. They're trying to protect themselves in some way. Mm -hmm. And when, when you reframe it that way, um, it's harder to just launch in with a, you know, over the top punitive reactive, self-protective reaction of your own and so that, that's the main thing is just really start making a practice of observing uh behavior and and reframing it seeing and being curious how is this kid trying to protect themselves you know i think in the twitter post that you're referencing uh that i did earlier this week i think you know it, it, we often will say about these kids that they're manipulating, you know, in that moment they were manipulating me or they were trying to get a rise out of me. They were being provocative. They were doing this on purpose. Um, you know, and you have to kind of ask yourself, you know, a single question. You can ask yourself in, you know, this question in a, in a flash, why? You know, instead of feeling like you've arrived at the answer by saying, oh, they're doing it for attention. Mm -hmm. Okay, why? And, and the more you keep asking why internally and with each other when you're talking about a kid's uh, problem behavior, eventually you're going to spiral down to the truth that, you know, this kid is protecting themselves from something that was painful. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, that that's what they've learned to do. That's in their toolbox. And it works in the sense that they can get people to back off of them or they get stuff that they, they need by exhibiting that behavior. So, you know, that, 
that realization is the first big thing that people can do. In addition to that, you just have to, you know, it sounds really ridiculously simple, but you have to slow down your own brain. You have to literally get really uh, intimate with your own kind of lizard brain primal reactivity and start to bring mindfulness to it uh, and, and, and cut yourself some slack. You know, the, the fact that you're being reactive doesn't mean that you're a bad teacher, doesn't mean you're a bad parent. It means that you are invested, you care about this situation, you care about this kid, and, you know, you have that brain that is wired to react and you're protecting yourself. So, you know, I, I think that's the way to try to start working with it in the moment. Um, And that that leads to different ways that you set limits with kids where you're still setting the limit, but you're doing it with a, you know, kind of that compassionate frame uh, that lets the kid know that you see that they're stuck. I love using the word stuck with kids. Mm. Yeah, I I see that things are stuck because it's not it's not a blaming word versus, uh, you know, you know, I, I know uh, a lot of teachers and staff at schools use words like unexpected and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think I, I think that becomes uh, that be, that becomes like a code word uh, for the kids that you think I'm bad, mm. and uh, you know they kind of tune you out. But I, I think it's harder to do that with a word like stuck. Mm-hmm. You know, things are stuck right now, dude, and I and I can't even begin to imagine what's happening in you. And, and that's an important thing, and it's not okay, it's not effective, you know, it's it's not okay here at school to do X. Mm. Here's the deal. Here's what we're going to do. And and you can do both in the same sentence, you know, and, and it has to be and instead of but. Uh, because if you say, hey, I see that you're stuck, but here's here's the deal. You know, they're, they're not going to hear that first part. Right. Um, and then there is the, you know, the prizing piece, which I think is at the core of all of this. It, it's, a, it's a concept uh, that I've, uh, you know, adopted over the years that was used by a really famous psychologist back in the 60s and 70s, Carl Rogers. Uh, he ended up not emphasizing it much, uh, but I think it's perfect. Uh, particularly in light of all the research in recent years about how there can be a downside to praise. Um, so, you know, prizing is is uh, very focused on seeing the kid accurately and compassionately and letting them know that you see that stuckness, you see that self-protection, and that you're also going to, you know, respond to the situation you're not going to just be passive but you're gonna you're gonna be willing to see that they're in pain or that there's a possibility in them that they're not recognizing and you're just letting that kid know in that moment hey peekaboo i see you Mm. and i see you showing up to this moment and in some way shape or form you let them know it matters to you and you don't you don't emphasize an agenda. Praise often has an agenda to it, like, hey, good job on your math. Right. You know, let's see you do that again. And and kids can feel that that expectation and it can lead to them pushing back against it, particularly these empathy hard kids. 
but uh, prizing does not have that agenda. Prizing is a, it's a attachment. It's a relational uh, move that the only real uh, agenda of it is compassion and connection and awareness. So it's less about uh, what that kid, the performance of that kid in the moment, right? You mentioned like the math, you're doing well with that problem. And it's more about who that person is, right? Is that, is that really one of the key distinctions? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it seems like it's, it's splitting hairs, but I think it's really, really important. It, it's about what that kid is showing up to inside and outside in that moment. It's very here and now. It's very mindfulness-based uh, communication. It requires that you are present yourself. You're in your body. You you might feel that uh, angsty reactivity to the, the behavior the kid had just exhibited. But because you get fully present in yourself, you can feel that. You can feel, oh, here goes my mind again doing my self-protective lizard brain thing, mm. blaming this kid. I can I can see my mind doing that. I can I can feel that uh, that movie in my body, uh, but I can just breathe into that. And this, this is all like you, you practice this, and so it can happen in a flash. Yeah. And and then you, you're allowed. You know, it, that presence in yourself helps you put on the new eyeglasses to see behind the kid's behavior in that moment. Mm. That there's something driving it for them that's about self-protection or meeting their own needs. Mm -hmm. And it allows you to not buy into the, you know, quote unquote, you know, nasty or negative, uh, you know, or, or manipulative behavior on the surface. And you can see that possible pain. You can see that that possibility for that kid uh, pushing it into a new uh, kind of skill for themselves or a new like a thing that would really matter to them. And then you focus on what you say to them. Yeah, so you have to kind of go into yourself first. Yeah. Uh, but, but and then and then you say something to the kid that lets them know that you see something other than outcomes. Mm. You know, because praise tends to focus on you know you know outcomes that are about that whole person of the kid. Like you do, you are so smart. Look at you getting an A on all your your tests, and that might feel good to the kid. But, it, you know, over hundreds, thousands of times, it starts raising the bar for them. And then they feel like this is where Carol Dweck, psychologist, uh, has done all of her research on fixed versus growth mindset. The kids start to feel like, you know, they are smart. That is their identity. And they have to be that all the time. There's no room for flexibility. And if they ever are exhibiting something, an outcome, a performance that does not equal smart, then they're invalid or less than as a person. Mm. Prizing is an antidote to that. It's it's here and now. It's not about traits like, oh, dude, you're so smart. It's like, I see you doing ING X in this moment, and you're showing up to either pain that you're risking or you're, you seem to be feeling and or you're you're you've got this possibility that you're engaging, you're giving it effort, you're you're leaning into it, you're you're showing up, and then you in the last part of prizing is you in either gesture or word, you let that kid know, hey, it matters to me mm. here and now that you're doing that, 
And so it's very present moment. It's not about traits of the kid. It's not about, you know, helping them believe that they are smart or they are creative. Um, that may feel good, but it sets an expectation. It's about, I see you eye to eye showing up, and I think it's awesome. And it goes right into the brain for kids, and it, it attaches them to you. It builds for these empathy hard kids that have had, many of them have had a lot of failure experiences. They definitely have a fixed mindset. They, if they don't trust people, they've been, maybe there's been trauma, um, people letting them down. Prizing is an antidote that goes into their brain and says, you know, peekaboo kid, you know, I, I see the real you and I think it's amazing what you're showing up to. Mm. That's awesome. That's really powerful. Um, so I just, we just have a couple of minutes left. And so, um, so prizing leads to, and I know you have a forthcoming book, right? The book is called Prizeworthy. Yes. And I know that uh, when you spoke to our staff, uh, one of the th- a, lot of, a lot of people came up to me afterwards, and I know you had several people coming up to you afterwards as well that had some, some moments in their lives where, uh, where somebody did that exact thing and, and showed them the real potential. Uh, and I remember, and I, as, I, as I shared with you, I remember a moment in college where I was, I was not kind of following uh, the path that I guess I had hoped, and I had a professor that just came up to me and, and uh, didn't do it in a, in a manner that was like touchy feely or any, any, anything like that. But he uh, basically did exactly what you said uh, and just said, you know, you have great potential and I see that in you and you need to start um, and you start demonstrating that because I know you can do it. And it, it really, really changed the, the, the scope of, of my future in college and I think uh, and beyond. Yeah, that, that's, that's it. It's, it's, you can feel the person and, and it, and it's, you can tell that it's coming from uh, their core and they're doing it in their way. It doesn't, it doesn't follow a script. It follows certain principles. Mm. Um, and, and it can be, it can be like a, you know, you know, that two finger, like to your eyes, to theirs. Yeah. You know, just that gesture has a prizing element to it. Like, dude, I see you here and now. Yeah. And uh, that, that can be really powerful. Just a simple moment like that can really go into a kid and and for us as adults we we all want to be seen for the things that are matter that are happening internally mm-hmm. and i think it's a fundamental human need and that that's actually the upside of our biology you know we have that wiring that makes us react uh that's about keeping us safe and protecting our sense of self but we also have this amazing wiring as human beings that can really connect us to each other more so than any other species. And so prizing harnesses that biology to help us sidestep the other parts of our brain. Uh, so I, I think that's the, the biological upside. And so the other thing I want to talk about, Dr. Ablett, in our, in our closing minutes. So uh, Mindfulness, so you, uh, a book that I've read that you wrote was uh, Five Hurdles to Happiness. And it, uh, it's a, a big part of that, obviously, is mindfulness. And so I myself, I know we have a lot of teachers who have been practicing it with students uh, who do it on their own? I will say that I myself have struggled to make that a consistent practice, and I yeah. I'm confident I'm not alone in that. And so I'm wondering if you have some uh, advice on on that and the importance of of making that part of your routine. Yeah, it's it's uh, you know in a nutshell, like it can be very overwhelming for people, uh, particularly these days where the the shopping mall of possibilities around mindfulness practices is uh, like Mall of America size. Mm. There's endless options. 
and, it, and it's really hard for someone to know where to start. And then if they do start with a practice, um, it often feels like they're doing it wrong, and you know, and it's not, it's not quote unquote solving everything. So people bail on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's 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 really important to some people really benefit from showing up to something very very small um, that is very doable. You know, like you know, driving over here, I was trying to practice some driving meditation where I'm just very very present in my senses and, and really kind of looking around and feeling my body in the seat and keeping the radio off. Uh, this is before you, know, you called, but, uh, <laughs> right. but, uh, you know, I, you know, show up to something that you're doing any day, any, every day, anyway, you know, brush your teeth mindfully. Mm. Um, if you can carve out a few minutes, just sit and notice the feeling of your breath, but do it for, you know, you know, tell yourself, I have a colleague, uh, uh, Tara Healy, who teaches a lot of uh, uh, corporate folks around mindfulness, and she likes to say three by three by three, you know, to people, can you commit to three minutes, uh, three days in a week for three weeks, mm. and just like sit quietly and focus on the sensation of your breath. If your mind drifts away, which it will do in that three minute span. Uh, away from just feeling your breath and focusing on it. You'll go to thoughts. You'll go to other sensations. You just very, very gently, like like corralling a little puppy that you're trying to train to stay. You, you don't punish the puppy. You don't, you know, scream at it. You just say, oh, you've gone away. Come back mm. and stay with the, the feeling of the breath. Uh, the breath is good because it's always available, but it can be any kind of object of focus. And then you just pay attention that if you do that three times a week for three weeks, uh, you'll probably notice well before the end of the three weeks that, you know, particularly right after those times of sitting and mindfully, you know, focusing on the breath, there's a greater sense of engagement with the moment that you're in. Maybe you also will feel a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more uh, centered. but uh, you have to kind of also let go of a fixation on, you know, this is going to solve everything for me. I'm going to zen out. I'm going to get enlightened. Those are Western kind of, uh, you know, achievement kind of things mm-hmm. that really can mess with your ability to, to get going with, uh, with mindfulness. So. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate that. And you have a practice in Wellesley Hills, correct? Yes. Is that, and, and you see both, uh, you see children as well as adults? I, I see uh, basically uh, middle schoolers up, and then I do a lot of work with parents. I do a lot of couples work. Um, you know, so I, I tend not to work with really young kids, mm-hmm. but you know, 11, 12, and, and up. Uh, definitely people can go on my website, which is uh, com, and uh, there's a, there are blog posts uh, about, uh, you know, you know, mindful parenting and card decks and all that stuff. Well, fabulous. I can't say enough about um, how impressed our staff was and, and the things that they're doing as a result of that. And so um, I appreciate your time and sharing your expertise today, Dr. Ablett. Oh, you're welcome. I thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Ablett. He did a great job presenting to staff. It was one of the, um, one of the 
most widely received pre- professional development sessions uh, that we've had with a presenter. You know, I, I love the concept where he talks about observing a student. How is this child protecting or attempting to protect him or herself? And I think because I think oftentimes when we encounter a student who's being difficult or defiant, uh, we jump to uh, you know they need to stop and they're being disrespectful. Uh, but when we look at it with a little bit different lens, uh, what is this? child trying to protect and how can I help him or her overcome that protection? Uh, I think it means a lot. And, and the other piece too, he talks about Tara Healy, uh, who I know that we've had some staff members um, go and talk to Tara Healy or listen to Tara Healy talk. And, you know, just that that, that um, concept of three minutes, three days, three weeks, and we can make something our own. Uh, hopefully you found that beneficial. Thanks as always for listening to in the middle, the student episode of In the Middle will uh, drop on the 15th. And as of this taping, I'm not quite sure what their content is yet. So we'll look forward to hearing that. If you have any comments, thoughts, feedback, please send me a note, a keller at hopkinton.k12.ma.us. 